Shut up and sit down. By all means, go for it. Have fun. Just leave me alone. People are coming together more and more and more and more as the government has been failing us more and more. I'm against being shitty to people. You can't research your way into understanding somebody better than they understand themselves. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fight for Liberty show. We've got an awesome show for you guys tonight. This one, as all of them, brought to you by Nug of Knowledge. If you guys haven't done this already, which I highly, I'm, I'm very ashamed if you haven't, go on over to nugofknowledge.com. Uh, check out all of the new things that we have. We actually just added a bunch of new products this last week. So go check those out and use uh, promo, get 10% off on your first purchase and help out awesome people in the Liberty Movement like myself, the other guys at FSM, uh, Dan Berman, Tom Queter, all the cool people. So go on over, nugofknowledge.com, promo code UNITE, and check out all the fun things. Tonight, we have an awesome guest, somebody that's been in the same circles as me for a little while, but we've never actually gotten to have a cool conversation, so I'm excited. Uh, He's running for Secretary of the Libertarian National Committee, Tyler Smith. Welcome to the show. Hi, David. Good to be here. Happy to be here, actually. All right. So I'd like to start out by uh, just kind of getting like your your libertarian testimony. So I'm curious, like, what was the first uh, policy overlap between yourself and libertarianism that you noticed or were told about? Oh, well, uh, this is uh, this is normally when I have like on a on a record here in my head all the time because it's, it, it doesn't change. I was actually in uh, the military. Uh, my first um this uh, disconnect with our government was uh, during deployment in Afghanistan. Um, I uh, did a few stints at uh, uh, various locations throughout the world, uh, Afghanistan being one of them where, you know, there, I spent some time uh, working around the hospital, everything like that. And, uh, you know, it's, there was there were some things that were seen and everything. It started to make me start questioning what we were doing there. What was our purpose? Uh, in the Middle East. And uh, I I would suppose uh, the first policy overlap would be getting into and studying our foreign policy and the history of why our involvement in the Middle East even came to such a boiling point. And uh, shortly thereafter, you know, I was seeing a few other uh, veteran buddies of mine that we're still friends to this day. And we happen to see a little bit of coverage online about, you know, the Libertarian Convention going on at the time. And, you know, we started uh, actually paying attention and a few of us are still involved to this day, even if we're not under the big L banner, we're still fighting for libertarian uh, causes and philosophy. Um, one notable is uh, he came with me to the Missouri Convention a few, uh, few weeks ago, uh, Justice Thomas up in Kansas City, who's been up there uh, working with local uh, groups to fight for criminal justice reform and everything, especially in the wake of the George Floyd issues, the Breonna Taylor issue, everything like that. So, uh, yeah, I would say that mm-hmm. my, my inspiration to become and start getting more involved with the libertarian movement started back in the early 2010s, as it were, uh, and being very disappointed in, you know, my manipulation in you serving an imperialist force. So, mm-hmm. who is the who is the candidate that came out of that convention you watched? Would that have been? Johnson in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, 
I actually don't meet very many people that came in from Johnson 2012. It's usually like Ron Polo 8 or uh, or Johnson 2016. I don't meet a lot of people in, in the middle there. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Official Libertarian Party records won't show me actually claiming membership up until very recently, a few years ago. But I started getting involved and in actually like studying Libertarian candidates, started like paying lip service. Finally got involved a little bit after Pride in Indianapolis. I think it was probably 2015, uh, more for the proper libertarian channels. But I've I've claimed and fought for libertarian uh, philosophy probably since about 2011. So nice, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, so I I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, as you said, uh, being manipulated into fighting for an imperialist force. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I've talked to quite a few people and especially you know in the wake of Memorial Day I got to have this conversation a, a lot over the weekend um, and trying to I did a live stream on Memorial Day that that most people didn't like in person conversations were a lot better and just trying to kind of gauge what like how how that feels coming out of it and and you know knowing that that's what happened uh, can you kind of touch on that and you know explain what what it's like to now be an, an anti-war activist um honestly i i kind of made a lot of my point i stayed silent most of the weekend i finally the day hit and i started thinking and i my stance on it is probably the same thing that's been regurgitated honor them by you know uh, bringing them home but it, it goes much deeper than that for me it's some people are like that's politicizing it and everything like that it's like i know there are people i know that have lost loved ones there are people that i personally interact with day to day that have gold stars hanging on their door and everything and to be quite honest if you like you know know knowing what i've learned from understanding what i took part in and how it contributed to that person's demise, ultimate demise and is frustrating and to me, the only proper way to honor that and to actually, you know, do their families justice who are still alive and suffering because of it, because that doesn't go away just because, you know, that conflict happens to end or anything like that. It's the only way to actually bring that peace is to stop creating an environment where more families are hanging those banners on their door to actually, you know, bring honor back to their sacrifice because their sacrifice did bring to light the issues that our government does cause, whether it is domestically or abroad. Um, I advocate that on the uh, on the premise that the only way to honor is stop uh, creating more folded flags at funerals and stop creating more broken families and more people that hate us and continue this perpetuation of conflict overseas. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, I, it's 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 a very touchy subject. I could go on and on and on about it, but you know. That's uh, that's the general thought I have on it. So. Gotcha. Yeah, I it's it's definitely not not a topic that a lot of people like to talk about, and it's a. It, I mean, I got yelled at for talking about it as not a veteran, and um, I I think that's, uh, you know, we we've we've outlawed a lot of topics in conversation in our everyday lives at this point. And, you know, we, we were, I don't know about you, but I was raised that like, you don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about uh, how old somebody is or how, like how much they weigh or how much they make, you know, that's right. all off topic. And now we have, we live in a world where no one really understands how 
other people's lives work because we weren't allowed to talk about them. And we don't understand how much other people make and how that pay disproportionately works. You know, we don't understand how to talk about politics and how politics actually works because we went three generations without saying anything other than I voted. And it's a, it's a cyclical problem, I think, but it's important to kind of bring them back up. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, it's, it's uh, in a, in a, probably the most layman's way I could put it. It's a dumbing down of our society in a way, because it's like, when you don't talk about politics, politics turns into personal attacks and not just doing that, like committing them, but also feeling like somebody having a different standpoint is now a personal attack on you. And that's not the case in a lot of, in a lot of political topics. When we go into socioeconomic or social issues in general, that there's a lot of nuance that can be had. But, you know, as far as like political topics that are purely political, the economy and things like that, it's turned into these reactionaries and reactionism begets reactionism. George Bush begot Obama, Obama begat Trump, like, you know, so. Mm -hmm. uh, True that. It is. It was a, a very trendy move that like just very straight down trend from the from the get-go pretty much as long as i can remember right you know, i was i was born in in clinton era and that i don't really remember clinton and so i basically only remember the three you just mentioned and they all fucking sucked <laughs> i i i come from an era of uh, right as daddy bush is winded down on his term and uh, his second or his last term and when uh, Bill came into office and I've, I've got a little bit of marginal knowledge just because that was my formative years and everything. So uh, of, like him, but uh, my first dive into politics was as a Republican. Uh, as, uh, uh, I don't want to say activist because it was more just I put door hangers on doors. I didn't really do anything other than, you know, hey, you should vote for this guy. Hey, he's hey that's activism. Right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, I remember the first time I actually did that was for, uh, I want to say it was John Schott in West Virginia. So, but uh, yeah, it, it, like it's, it's definitely become like, you know, going back to the topics of conversation that we're just not allowed to touch. Like uh, that's one of my favorite things to talk about, even though it's like, you, know, you get a lot of people that are like, you can't do that. You're going to start a fight. I was like, watch me. And then it turns out, no, we're sitting there, we're doing shots together. You know, somebody calls me a filthy capitalist. I call them a dirty communist, and we just move on, and we have a good time. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've made several friends from across the political spectrum, and um, I think a big hand in that, you know, kind of touching on what uh, we've discussed, maybe discussing tonight. Technology has played a big hand in both opening up those avenues of conversation for amicability, but also has opened up a lot of people to be pardon my French, absolute assholes to each other. So, yeah. And you don't have, I don't, you don't have to pardon your French. We, we can curse on this show all you want. Uh, but right. that's, you actually, uh, perfect segue. Cause my next question was, how do you think, uh, the rise of technology has affected politics as of late? Um, well, uh, there was a, there was a, what was that little era between 2016 and 2020? Anyway, yeah, you know, like that, that whole thing, the whole thing with technology and its effect on politics, it's been a, a discussion point probably since around the second time Obama got elected, for sure, like, you know, 
And a lot of that came up, and even our, or the Libertarian Party was touched on as being one of the first people kind of like to have issues with it because of data policy and data privacy and everything. But then it turned into this whole, we actually discussed it last night when I was at a Chicago Libertarian Party's uh, Zoom meeting. Uh, we talked about how it has actually opened up a lot of communications. People are recognizing their individuality, but they're also able to communicate with people who may not align with them uh, with uh, each other's viewpoints. But we all come to the same end game or end point where it is the government's not working for us, but they're definitely and like you know we start to realize they are relying on our hatred for one another and that's that's i so i think it's there's a it's a double-edged sword really like it can it can absolutely be a weapon especially the libertarian party can use in this day and age where the republicans are splitting the democrats are imploding and we have a lot of people looking into us the greens even the dsa as much as people might hate to admit it but you know they're looking into third parties right now and you know we even have a guy here in arizona running for governor right now uh, in the green party who's already got ads out and like getting you know people to respond to them and like getting wow. some people to come to his events and everything because people are starting to realize through the advancements of technology and technological communication we can actually work together and bring about the change that we all want whether or not we have some philosophical disagreements what we do understand is if we want a better society, we have to work together. And we didn't have that mm -hmm. prior to Facebook and everything. We had MySpace, but all we were concerned about at that point was why am I not in your top five? Like, so, but now we've got actual avenues to talk <laughs> with each other, so. <laughs> and now we literally just make top five threads on Twitter just to, to do the same thing. Right. Like, I'm oh. gonna unfollow you. <laughs> <laughs> the pettiest bullshit. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna make a list just to just to exclude some people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a good time. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a it's definitely a double edged sword that has been used for for good and for evil. I'm intrigued by. I, I think it's really useful for you know the the specific people that we're targeting, and you know we're using social media really well. I think as a movement at the moment, you know, I mean we're online right now and. And, you know, using technology, something that we've been fairly good at ish as a as a movement over the last couple of years. But uh, it's helped in conditioning the country against us and our message a lot better, I think, so far. You know, it's been used for spreading propaganda and 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 fostering that divisiveness that you're talking about. Uh, and, that's, and that's the big thing, because it, it definitely has to come with actually going out and showing what we're doing um you know we went out with the libertarian party of tennessee you know lots of like you know online stuff going on over there like they got their own uh stuff going on and, and you know some people know about it some people don't but they got together and they put together a really good event outreach to their community um and not just like you know trying to grow and like or not just trying to politicize or anything or politic or anything like that they were actually you know giving back to their community they were showing the examples of voluntary nature is showing that government didn't need to be involved for us to take care of our fellow man you know we uh when i went over there we went out and it was a brilliant event organized by chelsea baker of uh, tennessee's party we volunteered i believe it was at 
the journey home in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, fed about a dozen uh, homeless people from around the area. But then we ran around to the encampments that were in the surrounding area of Murfreesboro and in Murfreesboro and delivered food. It was Spike Cohen, Brent DeRitter. A lot of us came together to help do that to actually show, you know, we can walk the walk. We can't do that. And, you know, even in that sense, like it, it comes with, yeah, you can communicate and get people on your side from, you know, New York to Arizona. And you can sit there and talk and get your ideas out there and realize, hey, we can work together. It's another thing entirely to also act upon that and show that we are trying to improve our society. We're trying to make life better for everyone, not just a, a group of elites that honestly don't give a crap other than our vote and our tax dollars. But <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It, it it gives us the ability to look to the outside world as though we are doing things because we're active on social media, but in reality, tweeting isn't really doing things. You know, it right. is, it is some, in some ways, like not to discredit like those, those friends of ours in social media management, but you know, uh, you know, it's not, I'm sorry. Getting it. No, you're good. Uh, it's it's not like you're saying of like getting out into the community, actually like making those bridges. But the more you're on Twitter and the less you're out in your community, the more followers you get, the more popular you get, and the more it looks like you're actually doing things. So we have people in the movement that are out here, you know, doing more than most of the other people I know that have like 200 followers on Twitter and no one knows who they are. And you say their name and everybody's like, huh, what? who's that? They, they, they don't do anything. Yeah, and then, you know, it's actually funny because like me and my fiance were actually talking about some somebody that's apparently popular on YouTube and I have no idea who it is, but apparently everybody else in our circle does because that's what they do. Like they're, they're these this YouTube person, like whatever. I mean, I'm out, I'm out doing things, everything like that. Uh, I'm going to work. I've got bed appointment for the dog. Like, I don't know. But it's like You're it, talking it's, about me, it's aren't kind you? of the same premise, but at the same time, I'm not going to cast any type of aspersion on somebody in social media work and stuff like that, because that is a platform to reach a lot more people than just, you know, a local neighborhood or something like that. So I feel like there is a way for it to mesh. And I think there is a way for the Libertarian Party, especially with the amount of activists we actually do have that do the footwork and do a lot of like the hard, uh, hard, like physical labor of getting our message out there. These people that are I heard a term, and I'm not sure if it's pejorative or not, but cyber activists, these people that are doing what they're doing are actually, they can work in conjunction with each other and actually create and foster a new and more free society and a more freer uh, direction forward. So, Yeah, it's about uh, using the people that are doing, that are good at what they're they're good at for what they're good at. Actually, I was I was in a Zoom call with Spike earlier today that where he monologued about this for a little bit. Uh, you know, we have, like you said, we have a bunch of activists and we have a bunch of people that are good at social media, but at the moment, our activists are out there, uh, doing a bunch of stuff and no one knows about it. And we have a bunch of people on social media that people on social media know, and they're not doing anything. And if we could just like have, have the social media people telling everyone about the other people, we'd have a great system, but that would require libertarians working together. Right. That's the kicker. Because that is where the other side of that story comes in. Because again, when you're behind a keyboard and not actually interacting with people, you get a little bit more bold. You want to be a little bit more 
a jerk to somebody that you feel is personally attacking you uh, just because they have a difference in opinion. And that's where I am hoping to bridge a gap because like, we're not going to ignore the elephant in the room. I told myself I wouldn't, so I'm not going to let anybody else do it. There is a big war going on within our, our party and everything. Um, and we need to, to me, that's the, way, that, that's the big thing we can't ignore. I don't take a side on it personally. Uh, I, do I still have you? You're frozen. Okay, there we go. There we go. I was like, do I still have you? You were frozen for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my internet just decided it wanted to crash. So good. All right. Uh, my bad. Where were you? Uh, but, but I was talking about the elephant in the room. There is a bit of a, a little bit of a factional war going on within the party right now. And, um, you know, it, that a lot of that is fueled by the negative side of technology's impact on politics. Uh, and again, it's like it turns these conversation pieces into in terms of politics and philosophical leanings, everything into personal attacks on one another when there really isn't one. It's just somebody believes that there should be communal property. The other person's like, no, that's mine. I mean, if that's we don't live in a utopia yet. But we don't live in a utopia. We can't have that discussion really until we actually start uh, breaking down these structures of the state that have created the reason these are even conflicts of interest for uh, what, I, what I refer to as, as us plebs. Like, and that's what we are in the terms of these arguments and stuff like that, because it doesn't help advance anything other than you get to sit there and go to bed saying, I was right on Twitter today. Like, that's cool. I mean, you know, good on you. I mean, if that's a self-esteem booster, go for it. But there's a lot of work to be done. And I have full faith that everybody that came to this movement and is in this movement didn't choose that they want to join some fringe third party that in up until recently had no chance of winning elections. Mm -hmm. Nobody just does that because they want to be an edgelord. There's, there is at least a little part of them that is here to try and make a difference. Mm -hmm. Like, and I want to believe that we can all unite on that fact and actually get that done. And that is the whole thing that I'm trying to promote now with going around, not just to conventions, but to activists, outreach. Uh, 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 what am I doing? In Boston in July, on July 5th, we're going out there and doing something. And we're actually rallying with a bunch of other groups that are trying to fight for things like criminal justice reform, uh, uh, get rescheduling marijuana and things like that. Like uh, it, we were actually trying to work with groups philosophically. I may not agree with them because I, to my knowledge, there's going to be people that are of green affiliations, transhumanist affiliations, things like that. I'm not going to agree with them on everything. Personally, I'm a libertarian. I don't want a cyber chip for a brain, but you know, I'm not going to argue with the transhumanist about it. Like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. We're there to actually make a difference and push for, dissolving the state at least where it's oppressing us the most and that's where we need to focus on because the more we don't focus on it the more of a foot in the door they're going to have on our personal lives so. right yeah you you bring up a, an important point there of uh where the the state is is doing the worst you know that's it's a clear and logical assessment in most scenarios uh you know i actually uh, had to close out Twitter earlier because of because of what you were talking about where you know I was getting that like keyboard warrior uh, 
masculinity and just like, ah, right. <laughs> I was, I was, I was going off on some people and I was just like, okay, I need to walk away. I'm in a bad mood. Like this is just, it needs to stop. But one person was, you know, they were trying to, to make the correlation of like, uh, like Raytheon to, or, oh, cause uh, Chase posted about if we're going to stop we welfare, we should stop the welfare that's going to the military industrial complex first. And somebody was like, why make the distinction? It's like, we're not making the distinction. There's already a pretty clear distinction between like a mom on food stamps and Raytheon. Like it's, they're in different categories. The libertarian party doesn't need to create that distinction. Uh, everyone in the world can agree that like one of these things is worse than the other. I, and I think that's our biggest problem, especially among, we do have, I, and maybe I'm a little biased, but we have some, um, a, amongst the brightest people that are within this movement. And I feel like it kind of glosses over that there is unfortunately a societal construct and a societal perception of how these things are. The clear distinctions are drawn for these people who I think Chrissy Wickers refers to them as normies. Like, you know, there is a clear distinction to these people and we need to stop glossing. We've come to that point. We've got it. We get it. We have to understand not everybody's there yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, myself being a black flag anarchist, I had to, I got, I had the distinct pleasure of talking with somebody who identifies more as a little bit of a minarchist last night. And, you know, sure, they were sitting there poking some holes in like things that I personally do believe in and everything I got. But at the same time, I had to arrive to those things and maybe it could be vice versa. I don't know. I'm not God. I'm not an all seeing eye. Maybe the minarchist in question was absolutely correct. And I'm missing something logically. <laughs> we, but at the end of the day, we all believed in absolute freedom for the individual and distinctions philosophically and, you know, coming to these conclusions and, you know, understanding distinctions are already drawn. We didn't have to create them. That's the only way we're going to convey and actually grow this movement in my mm -hmm. personal opinion, and get people who are actually willing to come in and work at cohesive units together to build it, so. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about how we build it. Uh, you're running for secretary, and I know a big chunk of what you wanna do is you know, bringing the LP finally into the 21st century, because uh, we're not here yet. And uh, so say, tell, tell me a little bit about what you're planning on doing on the LNC, but also just like in the movement in general, how we can help uh, have that infrastructure. Well, I'm hoping, uh, and just let me preface everything. Um, my opponent, I admire her very dearly. I think Karen Ann has, is, has been a powerhouse for Liberty for years. I think there has been a lot of stuff that she has been unfairly dealt and there could have, there have probably been things that maybe she has been fairly dealt, but that doesn't change the fact that she has put in the work. She has shown dedication and love for this party. So if she does beat me in Reno, that's absolutely okay because the libertarian still wins because they have a passionate person in that seat that is ready to put in work. Um, that said, I get uh, my plans are with the modernization part aspect of it. Um, I do plan to uh, bring in some more transparency, not just for, you know, just the delegates, because, you know, that comes across like we're just doing things just to get votes and support of people who, you know, are coming in and paying, throwing money at us. But we have membership that, you know, that could be that mom on food stamps. That could be we have membership that needs to know what's going on, that they can reach out to us about their issues and we can address them because we are the political force of uh, of the people. And as cliche as that is to sound, we're the 
probably the only one left at this point. It's not this collective ideology. We're actually fighting for an individual's right. And that's the whole point of it for me. So modern, modernizing it and through getting us off certain platforms for LNC meetings and allowing more viewership and participation from uh, the membership to put their voice in, making their voices heard. Um, I've, I've talked with you, I think, and a couple of other people a little bit about, you know, maybe looking into alternative voting styles and how we handle things at national um, because that I believe that can build a more cohesive membership and probably stop a lot of this fractionalizing that's going on. Um, mm -hmm. at, at the same time, uh, you know, getting reports built, put out, like, you know, I'm working with teams right now that are actually helping me develop and understand a little bit more through applications via phone or even computer to get uh, meeting minutes with the LNC put out. I've looked in, I've been studying things like uh, different parliamentary procedures. Like I cannot tell you, I, I've got the words Atwood and Martha running through my head along with Robert trying to figure out how we can get something <laughs> that is a little bit more expedient in terms of getting stuff done. Because mm -hmm. if we are going to get stuff done as a party, administratively, what I can do is try to help us get there while the Republicans and Democrats are essentially shooting themselves in the foot. Mm -hmm. um, so that being said, it's like I've been to a few states now where they're using, you know, porcupine-like apps and stuff like that, but they've actually got mind and membership on it that have developed it to make it move quicker. I think California was the most recent one I went to, and they were popping through business like it was nothing. And it was it was kind of astounding to see, like, uh, uh, you know, by I think they actually finished on time, which, you know, in libertarian circles is a little what? bit unhelpful. <laughs> <laughs> I've and never been to a meeting largest, that finished on time. And, and they are the largest delegation in the country. If they can do it, I fully believe, along with uh, places like Missouri, who were like playing with it, Indiana, who did a little bit with it, Tennessee, who did things with it, you know, if they can do it. And those four states, you know, arguably like medium to the largest size delegations in the country. I think we can actually find a way for our thousand plus delegations to delegation to actually make stuff happen, get the business done, then start going through how we can pass resolutions, how we can, you know, start developing different ideas from different parts of the country while we are all there to actually put our minds together in person. Um, and to me, there's also a ways to do, handle this, like developing tutorials. Mm. And, you know, I work very closely with Caitlin Cloven as my campaign director and everything. And she is brilliant when it comes to that. I have no doubt in my mind that if we could actually get her to bring, come on, she could help us develop how to like work with the marketing, how to make it more transparent, how to make it accessible for people who are like in six miles, South Carolina, where internet shoddy, you know, mm -hmm. how to make it to where they can still, you know, participate even if like, you know, one day they, there's a horrible storm and the internet gets knocked out, you know, at least if they've got it done and submitted, it will come through on a server. We can get their voices heard. It's just a matter of getting the development, getting the specifics knocked down, but we can't do it when it's just five or six of us. We have to consult with everybody from across the country because we, at this point, are the only third party with all 50 state representation. And we have to take into account that those people do often get overlooked. I can't mm -hmm. tell you how many times I've actually heard it from people who live in West Virginia or people that live, uh, what is the one state, by Montana. Like people get overlooked and delegations especially 
because they are in rural areas, they're in a little bit of underdeveloped and poor parts of the country. And we have to figure out how to modernize and, and effectively do so for all of them as well. Um, so I don't want to like, I don't want anybody to like think like, you know, if we do this, we're going to forget like, you know, somebody that be maybe 80 years old doesn't understand how to use it. We're also trying to plan out how to simplify it. So it is one of those easy push a button, go after you're done reading, you understand what's going on. Same thing with releasing minutes and uh, meeting notes, uh, updates, newsletters, uh, Elpedia even, like getting it moved to a more uh, user-friendly interface mm -hmm. and getting it to where people can actually, you know, go in, get information, register what's going on. Um, so that, that, that's a little bit of like the topical thing of what I want to do. And, you know, like as it develops, of course, we will be making releases of what we've come up with, how we would plan to implement it and everything. We've got, I believe it's a year left at this point. We've got a lot of time, a lot of brilliant minds working on it over here. And I have faith in all of them. And I absolutely believe we can bring this party to become the most formidable political force since the inception of the Democrats and the Republicans. So I love it. I love it. Uh, I, you talk, you talked, you've touched on a lot of things there that I'm going to try to remember to go back to all of them. Uh, but firstly, I want to go back because you mentioned alternative voting systems. And I think that that's, uh, something that I, I, I'm really passionate about as, as an activist. And, you know, I work with, uh, equal vote and, and represent us and a, a bunch of other organizations on this. And we're, there's a lot of libertarians on board and uh the the lp in new york city went pretty hard on uh helping push for ranked choice voting that which we passed last year in our uh, municipal primaries uh we've we've been pretty loud about this and we talk about how the duopoly is uh inevitably going to create this divisive system and you know the first past the post voting is almost always going to create the duopoly and then we do the same thing in the LP, we created a duopoly, we created the same divisiveness, and it looks kind of the same. Uh, from someone that's like standing in the middle of it, I feel like a libertarian inside of the libertarian party too, because there's just like this weird duopoly thing going on, and I'm just trying to be like, hey, can we all like get along and, and fight the state together? please <laughs> right no and I, a lot of that though it's, it's some of it's inevitable you're going to have people that are going to vote along not party lines but caucus lines mm -hmm. and i say that wearing a radical caucus button right now people know i work for it but i don't and i actively avoid making that my hard line for who i'm representing i do work for them because they are the ones that closest align to me but I have voted for Prags, I have voted for Mises, I have voted for Audacious, I have voted for several people throughout the years, and it has nothing to do with the caucus lines. Again, it boils down to that's just the nuances, that's the human nature of whatever it is. But I do think that if we move to, because we already do a sort of runoff voting anyway for a lot of our LNC positions and everything, but I feel like it could be improved upon to the point that we could feel that, that more capability more oh, I lost you all right and we're back 
Internet's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta love, gotta love that technology we're talking about. Right. You know. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe that was the duopoly. That was the NSA telling us like they need to calm down. Mm -hmm. like, so, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I where I, I think I might have trailed off was you know we do already do a sort of runoff voting for LNC positions and improving upon it, looking at alternative methods and creating that capability to make the individual's voice heard in the party of individuality can absolutely create that or foster that environment of uh, building alliances across philosophical lines. We're all libertarians. We're all obviously there spending bukus of money, probably 80% of us don't have to get there and make a difference in this country. We all deserve to have our damn voices heard. And this, and you know, we can pick the best option. And I utilize it. I say it that way because it, there, there is no better option. There is only the best, in my opinion. Because again, we are all libertarians, and they're trying to fix this country. So we find the better or the best option, and put them in place. But we also don't negate that there are other people that need that uh, that are voicing their opinions, have their second and third choices that they feel best represent them. We do that. We represent the body of the Libertarian Party the best way because we have created an environment where they do still get a preference put in place, even though it may not have been their first one. So the, to me, that is something that I've, I, until you actually had brought it up to me, that was something that I've always dabbled in myself, but I had never honestly considered maybe incorporating it into this. But then when I brought it up to the staff here, that was something we started researching and looking into. You know, on top of like reading all sorts of parliamentary procedure books that are alternatives to Rohner and everything like that, I've been reading into the different styles of voting systems and how they do it in different nations, how they do it in different uh, political organizations, how they even do it in certain private organizations, um, which kind of bleeds and bends into the parliamentary procedures. Um, and I want to touch on that, too, with the parliament. I do think that there is a place, a time and place for how Robert's rules is, are applied. I think for a thousand plus people, maybe giving the chair a little bit of a dictatorial, as some people have put it, position to keep the meeting flowing and keep it from getting too out of hand. Maybe it does have its place, but that's not going to stop me from finding a way to still. My goal is to make sure the delegates and the membership and those are distinguished, they're distinctive groups because not all members are going to be delegates, but we need to be able to make sure that their voices are heard as well. And mm -hmm. doing it and getting hung up because there's one delegate from somewhere that you know wants to sit there and focus on whether or not there's the correct article in a sentence is not doing any service to the Libertarian Party. And you know, not again, it's their voice and they have a right to voice it, but I do feel like if we're going to get modernize and actually become that formidable fighting force we need to come up with new methods and we need to develop and start implementing them mm -hmm. yeah so i know this is uh this is more of a treasurer question than a secretary one but uh something that's kind of been scratching at me and actually one of my friends brought it up the other day because she went to lp.org for the first time after the the clubhouse room with uh, spike and dave and justin last week and she was uh, the idea that you have to pay to be a libertarian to be a member to even like really interact with uh with the party is is kind of weird she was like wait you have to pay a tax to be a libertarian 
It's like, yeah. oof. <laughs> so I'm right. curious, how, how do we, how do we, uh, without like getting rid of what is our one of our main funding sources as a party, how do we help uh, get people that are just enrolled libertarians and maybe not actually members of the party more involved? Well, I, I personally fully believe, and again, I'm not running for treasurer and I am the treasurer for outright libertarians, um, but we still like let people in as members for free and, you know, or give them like, you know, a more affordable payment plan to join like uh, as like paying members. And, but, you know, that being said, I like with the national party, I fully believe that we are made up of people who actually give a shit about people. And if it came to it, I mean, I've witnessed it. I've done it for my cousin in Oklahoma. I'm willing to pay or at least donate to pay for somebody's membership for this party. I've watched people help pay for lifetime memberships for other people. I've like, it's one of those things. I fully believe that if we're actually sitting there and trying to get this done, along with helping fund what we're doing, you're also bringing another voice in that can make our voice louder. I truly believe that we can unify on that front. And as I, I wouldn't say that uh, the person has an illegitimate qualm because honestly, I've thought about it too. Yeah, <laughs> like I wouldn't, and I've never yeah. put it that way. The li you have to pay a tax to be a libertarian. I'm kind of an amazing way to put it. But that would be something like you know, I feel like we could discuss and absolutely like you know bring up at the LNC level and maybe find out if there's a way to implement some sort of like scholarship. It, not using that term, but you know what I mean, like, you know, implement a way to help people who are not of means be able to come and be part of it, because that is a mutually beneficial yeah. transaction at that point. And uh, I truly believe that mm -hmm. with the way we are as a as a movement, that could be something that could absolutely be nothing but successful. So. I like that. I might have to talk to Todd, have him put in put that in his treasurer platform. <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh yeah i def uh, it's it's weird it's a weird kind of stumbling block that i i am honestly not a member of lp national for that reason uh i joined in 2016 i paid my dues when i enrolled i i registered to vote enrolled libertarian and then went straight from the the dmv website to the lp website and bought a year membership and I have not renewed it since because every time it comes up, I'm broke. And it's like, well, nope, not doing that this time. Like I feel like I'm a part of the I'm 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 part of the party already. I don't feel like I need this little badge that says that I am. But on the other hand, it's the real last year. Uh so there so a weird trade-off there and, and that actually was, was kind of annoying because i missed the cutoff and didn't realize it to to purchase my membership last year and become a delegate i was actually on multiple candidates delegate lists from new york none of them won the primary because it ended up being hornberger but that's beside the point <laughs> uh that that's that's a whole other interesting conversation, but um, oh, I, I'm I'm kind of privy to that whole situation. <laughs> I, I just find it found it really weird that a uh, bunch of my friends who are like also like uh, like left libertarians, like outright members and like audacious caucus members were on his list, but but I yeah. wasn't. That's, 
<laughs> it's, it's just not about the whole other aspect with a, another person I think that actually was uh, delegitimized from the primary list I think of New York but again that's a whole conversation mm-hmm. with a whole lot of tangents oh yeah board, board of elections in New York is really fun and it's really easy to fuck over candidates in New York State uh, mm-hmm. we do it often it's something that you you plan on in New York like everything gets challenged every every single like ballot access petition gets challenged at least once if not three or four four times uh we, we just submitted all of our signatures for new york city and we're actually getting challenged a lot less than the duopoly candidates which is weird but like andrew yang's petitions are getting challenged like eight or nine times <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> I, I don't i don't get the point of doubling up yeah, no, it's it, it, you can't have people trying to affect change. You gotta remember to keep them down in the dust. So, like, and they have gotta learn. Right. That's, that's I think I think that's the New York State model. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty accurate. That's why I'm trying to get out of here. Uh, so, I'll, I'll speak to that. If you guys do any ballot access work, I'm I'm not a voting member, but I am an advisory member with our national ballot access committee. I, you give us uh, give me a ring, and we'll see what we can do. Or whoever you've got working your side. I talked to Tony DiRazio a little bit about it, and you guys got something like that going on. We'll we'll do what we can to help. So uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, there's been a much better line of communication that I've noticed lately between uh, like state and local parties and national and just just the party in general. The lines of communication are significantly more open than they were when I joined, and that's been pretty reassuring. Could could get better, <laughs> right? No, I mean, you guys are a large state with a lot of people, and oh yeah, so I mean, yeah. and a lot of people in your in your NY in the NYLP or LPNY, excuse me. Like so, I mean, it, it's probably going to get muddied up. It's not going to be like here in Arizona where we've got we've got a decent amount of people, but you know, most of us all know each other. Like uh, yeah. I, I, I've talked to a few people up there in LPNY, and they like have no idea who the other person is, but I've been interacting with them for months, like. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's weird. I had to go to a Mises Caucus event in Pennsylvania to meet my state chair for the first time. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird scenario. Uh, yeah, New York. I, I feel like that's another way on top of like the alternative voting thing. I feel like New York is another place where we can lead by example. And sure. where like libertarians in New York, a lot of them, a very large majority of us are pro splitting up the state. So why don't we do it as a party? <laughs> I mean, why do we as a party that doesn't believe in borders really at all function off of borders? Well, most of us. <laughs> <laughs> most of us. All the all the real libertarians don't believe in oh, borders. Oh, Lord, we're going to start that argument. Here on <laughs> <laughs> we're changing it. Fight for Scott's. <laughs> oh. I, um, I've, that's actually one of my favorite conversations to have with people because I was a bordertarian for, for a very, very long time. Uh, I basically, I went from bordertarian to anarchist. Uh, there really wasn't a, a phase where I was a, good, a real libertarian or like, you know, that, that good, that good, real like, real libertarian. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like nice little minarchist that also, it, it's hard to, co- to, 
combine those two. I feel like it's either all, it's you either believe in government or you don't. Right. And at I, this I, point, I, I've done too much interacting with it to believe in it. Right. And that's, that's the big thing. I also think it is a big regional thing too. Like it's not that hard to meet somebody from say North or South Carolina that is a libertarian that has a little bit more socially progressive views. We've grown out, uh, grown up around a bunch of rednecks, which before everybody gets mad, that's where I live before Arizona. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we, have, we grew up around a bunch of these rednecks that are a little bit more conservative in their perspective on life and everything like that. So we develop a little bit more of the libertarian side of like the social, socioeconomic equity and everything like that. Whereas up in New York, and I've noticed like every time I travel there and try to talk to people or been in the discussion groups and everything I got, you guys have people who are libertarians who have grown up around these very liberal people, people who have a little bit more of a culturally uh, amalgamated perspective. And therefore your libertarians up there tend to develop a little bit more of the conservatarian side of things, which nothing wrong with either of those things, but it's like, that's I think where those differentiations kind of develop and you know sitting there talking about what we're talking about it's kind of uh crazy to me like you know as an anarchist myself who absolutely believes in no type of borders uh personally because i believe my own ability to defend myself if somebody malicious is definitely coming we're gonna we're gonna be able to handle our own but you know that's the big thing like other people are like you know well we at least need some security there so we don't have to like go through that trouble as like don't cause trouble and there won't be so you know and it just goes down that rabbit hole of like you know little snippy comebacks at each other like so it's 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 a, it's a fun <laughs> argument the real libertarian argument so but we're all real libertarians if we're actually contributing and getting shit done and you know getting our getting the voices out there and making change like you know christy wickers has contributed to a lot to criminal justice reform i'm trying to work here within the education system here in my little town of Peoria trying to get in because they got a lot of stuff at changing their curriculum to be a little bit more honest about American history. And our pushback is, oh, you're teaching us to hate America. No, we're just saying you can love America, but you need to see some of the red flags. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can't sugarcoat history. It doesn't work. They sure as hell try. And if, if, uh, by the way, I keep I, I'm dipping right now. Like I see you smoke, so it's got me painting a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we got people like you know uh, Dave Jones and Chelsea Baker and AJ Campbell in Tennessee. They're going around doing community outreach and build up and working in their area. You know, people go out and they focus on what they're going to do. But we all have different views of what a libertarian is. The end of the day, we're all fighting for the same thing. And that again boils back down to what I've repeated over and over again. You know, need to take my shoe off and make it out of the desk. We will dissolve oppressive state. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm really actually fired up. There's been there's always been fighting in the LP, and there's always been like some people trying to like promote unity of some sort. Uh, right now, I'm kind of excited about the fact that the people trying to promote liberty are like most people's favorite people. Uh, you know, between like Amash, Dave Smith, and Spike Cohen, they make up a majority of the movement. And so, if people just kind of do what their dude says, they're they're all preaching unity and working together, and 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 most of what you're saying. And hopefully, their minions will follow along here pretty soon. <laughs> 
Well, and that's the thing, like, you know, Fingers Spike, Spike, we were talking on like, you know, I just recently got on Clubhouse, one of the first ones Spike was on, he was like, you know, I keep saying like, you are the power. And, you know, it was like, working with him before when he was part of the vermin team and everything like that like when he says that he actually means and he reiterated this you are the power he's like i'm not saying like you know it's not a platitude he's like you can do exactly what i'm doing and a lot of people are taking that to heart and a lot more people could be doing that you know yes it feels good it's like nice to feel that but you know take that energy and run with it like that's the thing justin amash was willing to work with aoc on criminal justice reform that was one of the, you know, I, and I personally can't stand it, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but I think that was brilliant because at that point I was actually applauding her too. I was like, this is what we need to do. No, we're yeah. not going to come to a utopia tomorrow, but if we're going to get there, we have to come down to some a radical de- uh, de-escalation and decentralization. And the only way to attain that is through changing certain things in a radical way. And that is the only way we're going to do it. Like, you know, we're not going to wake up tomorrow and uh, and and Capistan or and Compton or whatever people like little buzzwords are now. We're not going to wake up in that tomorrow. And we need to get over that fact and start realizing if we want to get to a freer society and get to that point. Adam Kokesh calls it localizing. If we want to get to that point, we have to start by sitting there and stop pointing our weapons at each other and turn it towards the people that are actually utilizing our conflict against us. A hundred percent. I like, uh, in the words of your opponent, save it for the state. I, I, I really haven't found another, a better, a better way to say it than that. Her episode on part of the problem was probably my favorite episode of that show that I've ever seen. She, she knocked it right out of the park with a lot of, a lot of the same stuff you're saying. So it's cool to see. Um, it's, it's really cool to see the, like you, compliment your opponent that's something that people in the lp don't do very often uh you know to say what you said about you know whoever wins the lp or whoever loses the lp wins um that's something that's an energy that we don't have nearly enough of and i'm i'm excited to see that from from multiple people that are running in 22 I wish we could, or I'm, I was hopeful to see it from the chair race as well. I don't know if we're gonna going to, but a lot of the other races look like they're going to be kind of cordial and and uplifting and kind of like I loved uh, Oklahoma LP's chair race this past year was I amazing. Kevin's fantastic. Rex is also a really, really cool dude. I hosted a debate between the two of them, and they both yelled at me for even calling it that because it wasn't a debate. <laughs> it was just a conversation. That, actually. <laughs> and they're, both of their like closing remarks were literally an endorsement for the other one. I was like, what the fuck is wrong? Do you guys realize you're running against each other? Like, does that not click? But all right. Uh, it was well, I think I think my, one of my inspirations for keeping it that way, like it was always my intent to be that way anyway, because I even when she was here in Arizona for our convention, I walked up and I was like, I don't mean like to intrude on you. I know you're here to observe and, you know, you got, you know, you're trying to relax a little bit back at your table. But I just want to let you know, I'm intending to run for LNC secretary and I just didn't want you to think that it was anything against you or anything like that. It's something I truly believe I can do, and I truly believe that we can help build this LP up and make it better. And she smiled, and she was like, "That's okay." Like you know, she's she's even been online, you know, sitting there, and she, along with me, have we both 
separately. This wasn't even like any type of private agreement, but we but pretty much said anybody that supports us that wants to sit there and become vitriolic and nasty towards the other one, attack the policy, not the person pretty much, or attack the person, not the policy, then we don't need your support because we're not going to do that to each other. And that is the, the bottom line, like, like I said, uh, and what was one of the most inspiring things about that was watching the Tennessee chair race where I announced uh, officially and their race for chair between Trisha Butler and Dave Jones, because I know both of them. I, I've met both of them and talked with them a little bit. And, you know, I've gotten to know Dave a little bit more than I have Trisha, admittedly. But either way, if whoever won that chair race, Tennessee was going to win. And I truly believe that for a lot of our positions that found the LNC that are coming under fire in 22, so to speak, are really just getting awash with rebirthing and to steal from Kim Ruff, reigniting the uh, brush fires of liberty. So mm-hmm. I think that we are we stand to gain in 22 and whatever happens after that 2024 the republicans and democrats need to know we're coming for your asses so mm-hmm. fuck yeah i'm curious how uh how you feel about the i know this is a, a contentious topic for some uh how do you feel about the term length on the lnc are you are you someone who is in favor of extending it to four or do you like the two years I've really not thought of it. I've always looked at it as the membership and the delegates will decide who is best for the job. Two years to me really hasn't been too much of a contentious issue. Um, Mm -hmm. To be quite honest, I would probably, if that came to a vote, I would probably abstain because one way or another, it doesn't really matter. It comes down to who can do the job that they're in. And if the person's doing good a job, whether it's two or four years, that person's going to get reelected. That person could get voted out. It doesn't matter. It's a matter of capability. Now, again, if this comes down to people are feeling underrepresented because, you know, we do uh, kind of vote out people every two years, that's something we can tackle as we come up to it. And we can sit there and discuss it. But that definitely needs to be, if that's going to be a thing, that needs to be held at a national convention where everybody can actually, or whoever wants to from across the country that comes in and becomes a delegate can actually voice their opinion on it. And we need to listen to that, especially mm-hmm. as national representatives. I like that answer. Uh, the, I don't know, and if it came to a vote, I'd abstain. That is the best answer any politician could possibly give. I love that. <laughs> uh, more, more people need to say that shit on a campaign trail. Uh. Uh, like, call- I kind of like my Ron Swanson. Like, you know, if I can come in and do nothing for a day, then I've done my job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think we all actually I I started watching that show long after it finished airing and was already like a full blown big L libertarian. So Ron didn't help push me into libertarianism, but it was definitely uh, a nice reassuring pat on the back while I was watching. It's like, yeah, this guy's fucking great. (laughs) Just representation in media at all is pretty rare for us. You know, growing up, the only times that I heard the words libertarian on TV was like Criminal Minds episodes. So like not exactly a great representation of us. Right, (laughs) In that case, uh, he was a libertarian. <laughs> yeah, it's like ga- gats and flags and lots of guns, and also likes to kidnap small children. It's like right, you know. Oh. 
<laughs> Careful, we just gave a little bit of our detractors some ammo there. It's Oof. a sound bite that's going to come back and bite us in the ass. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no. That's, that's, <laughs> oh, this show has created. This show has created a lot of those sound bites. But yeah, that's the big thing. Like you know, I, Ron, like Ron Swanson is the perfect <laughs> for somebody that's been in this for years. Because I didn't start watching it until after somebody suggested it to me when I was living in Indianapolis. They were like, "You should watch this show." Like you know, like so I started watching, and I saw Nick Offerman's character, and like yeah, they were trying to paint us as a caricature, but. Honestly, that kind of like, I think reinforced this a little bit because there were people who aren't libertarians. Like I like Ron, like I, like, you know, I get this and everything. So I mean, it's at this, I think we've come to this weird uh, intersection of like, they're trying to make fun of us, but they're actually doing us a favor by doing so at that point, because they're actually showing we are actually real people. We're unfiltered. We're going to, yeah, we're going to say some sarcastic shit when we think these ideas that government puts out are incredibly stupid. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 just funny watching that, even in the media setting, how they're helping us grow our movement when they're trying to put us down. Like, even people right. when uh, John Brennan called, uh, looped us in with all like the terrorists and everything like that, uh, looped anarchists and libertarians and like that. Even people that are nowhere near shape or form that that came in and were like, "That's what what is this? Like, that's a weird umbrella." Like. You know, I I, I, I watched mm-hmm. a bit of that on social media. So again, it's like this media, even if it's in a comedy like Parks and Rec or a press release by the former CIA guy, like, you know, it, it's it's helping us out a lot. And if we can get people, and so far I think we've got a strong slate of people who are buying or sitting on the LNC, uh, that we can reinforce the notions of everything that they defended us for when these funny things have come out. And I think we've got, again, that's that opportunity. They're just building it for us while we're actually reinforcing it. So, Yeah. I want to call back to one other thing that you mentioned uh, in your plans, because you mentioned Porcupine and similar apps. And we've been using that uh, here in New York to run our state committee meetings since I joined the state committee, which was in December. But I'm pretty sure we've been using it since our con- our convention last uh, last year. And it's been uh, just a godsend really because in new york the the government decided that we were a dystopian hellhole and so meeting in person was just completely out of the question like last Mm -hmm. september we had our organizing convention and there is no way that we could have done that in person legally and we all would have like straight up gotten arrested like new york was being ridiculous at the time uh i it and, and so we had to meet on zoom and that doing that was going to be next to impossible without something like this. But now that we've been using it a lot more and we've kind of like tweaked some things and worked out some kinks and people understand the system a little bit better, it's become very clear that it's also like for in-person meetings and like you were talking about just being able to actually zip through business instead of, you know, nobody has to stand up and walk over to the microphone and, you know, it's just so much simpler of a system. Uh, I I'm, I think that if we can utilize our time better as a movement, just as a whole, you know, we will solve a lot of the problems that we have. Because right now we're short-staffed, we're overworked. Most of us are are on the verge of being burnt out most of the time. And we are spending so much of our day trying to do things that could be automated or done so much easier, or used, uh, use new technology to make it faster. 
Um, I, I guess to get to my actual question, that was a little bit of a ramble. Uh, how else do you think that, that we can utilize uh, technology and to, to just streamline a lot of our systems other than just like having Caitlin do everything? Right. Yeah. No, yeah. That was the plan. Crap. No. <laughs> careful. Got, head 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 head. Head. No. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I think touching on a little bit with like the porcupine thing, uh, even because a lot of the detractors of that are like, you know, what if the system glitches or any or on this particular vote or something like that? It's much easier to do that. Have somebody or a team of people sit there and review what's going on and catch the glitch and maybe circle back to that particular issue rather than halting the mating as a whole for like two or three hours while you try to fix it, get stuff out of the way, get the things that you can and uh, make note of that were actually accurate, get all the votes tallied, get everything, the motions and everything recorded. And even setting up like an automatic system that will send out notes and minutes as they are uh, edited and everything like that, you know, so and when it comes down to it, like you get an official or a, a starred email, like this is the final report. This is, you know, an ed- uh, this is the final edit. This is the final thing that's ha- been happening, you know, keeping it transparent, letting them know what's going on, leaving no room for uh, questioning or error or uh, suggestions of ulterior motives or anything like that. That is the big thing I think that we need to work towards. Um, utilizing apps, sure, there are there, there there are some security pitfalls at some point, but that's the whole point of developing developing them. We have to get to a point where we either accept our uh, state of mundane obscurity, or we have to sit there and actually power a trial and error, try to develop, try to become a try to become that force. I know we can be. I know that a lot of us know we can be. We have to continue to uh, push forward continue fighting, continue showing we actually can and actually will change this country. And we can actually do it so efficiently that we can make the other political parties while they're fighting each other and blocking each other's candidates, like, you know, they, they're doing in New York, you know, mm-hmm. they're sitting there, but we're not doing that. We, we, I don't think we've ever tried to do that in my knowledge anyhow. And like, we can actually become and utilizing this modernization with that transparency because it wouldn't just be libertarians looking up this information at that point it would be people looking for and whether we like it or not looking for an organized structure of people that are actually a political party you know mm-hmm. so that to me i right now um working on and researching and looking into different types of applications, different types of uh, methods, even uh, web programs and everything like that, that I would be able to use in my administrative position. Maybe we can eventually develop that to where we actually can get the chair, uh, whoever that may be, to be able to like, talk to the membership on a regular basis and do so uh, just by sitting there like they're typing on Twitter, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got Facebook pages and stuff like that, but we don't have like a direct means to talk to people. We have the emails communications list and we see LNC members all the time. We get the funny emails and everything like that. But yeah. that being said, it will open up a more trusting membership base. It will build the cohesiveness of the party. It will bring us to a point where we can't be ignored anymore. And we don't look like a gaggle of idiots just screaming taxation is theft at everybody we see. So, 
But I like screaming taxation as theft at everybody. Well, I, I mean, I do too, but you know, most <laughs> of the time there's a lot of bourbon involved and I'm actually sitting with somebody that's part of the duopoly. Like, but <laughs> There is that. So we have a question from the comments. Um, with you running for secretary, uh, what changes or improvements do you think that you can bring to the position itself? Well, um, one, uh, it, it, we, we kind of touched a little bit on the modern. I don't want to go down that whole trope again, uh, but most of it's been mostly modernizing and making it more efficient, getting uh, information about our meetings out quicker, uh, providing the voice uh, for the membership. Should I see something? Secretary is an administrative position. Let's be real. Um, the improvements solely should be on improving how the administration actually functions. And again, it's not anything to cast aspersion on uh, Karen Ann or anything like that, because we all are busy things that we're doing. She works with the historical preservation side of things. I do a lot of traveling, working with that and everything. But I do believe that if we, if I, if I were to be uh, elected in Reno, my sole focus would be and making the delegates glad they trust because focusing on that, that alone. This isn't to say I would stop my activism. This isn't to say I would stop traveling to help other affiliates out. But it would be my focus to absolutely make sure that questions that the membership had or any questions that the delegates had, I would be able to, without a doubt, answer them. You know, again, I have a problem giving my personal number out. You have a question about what's going on or what you have a question about a vote that was had on the LNC, you can reach out to me. That would be my focus point because that would be my job at that point. Um, so I, I give a simple answer. My plans through it are to become the, the most extensive we've probably had in a while. All right. I Yeah, I, I think that it's the assumption that running against an incumbent means that that incumbent is terrible uh, or that they're not doing their job well enough or something like that is is kind of a flawed logic you know we can improve on good things and you know I got I got a lot of flack last week for endorsing Todd Hagopian for treasure for similar reasons because uh, you know oh but the treasure we have now is good it's like yeah he is but I think that you know we can make improvements on on the people that have been here for quite some time the yeah the person doesn't have to be doing a terrible job to get replaced absolutely and I, I actually have no qualms with tom or tim i i have absolutely no problem with tom or tim uh, i think that arguably good positions. I mean, both know how to work finances, both have their own anecdotal uh, existences and personal lives that warrant them being good for the position. And I personally don't have a preference at the point in time for that uh, treasurer, but even if I did, that's my vote to give. We there? Can't hear you. Oh, I was muted. We're good. Okay. 
but yeah, even if I did pick one, it's not in the eye of the other. That's what I was around about too. So. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a weird, it's a weird scenario of defensiveness and and stuff. When you know, to go all the way back to how you started it off, like the the whole the whole point of this is to be working together to fight the state as best as we can. So that means getting the best people that we can have in the positions where they will do the most and utilize their skills to the best of their ability and you know move the party forward i i 100 agree with you i think that we can be the most formidable force in pol politics in america within the next few years and that just that entirely hinges on people doing what they're good at a lot no and absolutely and that's that's the whole point of it because you know Whichever one when she can be replaced with me, like I know she's going to do great things with the historical information and giving that getting information to new members not going to know what we're about. If I happen to not win and like and you know she uh, stays in, I'm still going to go around the country and still making it up to get around to the office state at least by the end of 2023. And helping out in some capacity with, if not their state affiliates, one of their local affiliates. I've been to Tennessee twice this year. I'm in Boston in July. I've, you know, and I've talked with a few of uh, the Illinois uh, party, and they've got some pride events that I'm going to get to this month that we can actually raise the money for. It. This isn't just a convention hopping. This is absolutely trying to secure a means of bringing state affiliates together to absolutely reach out to other people who otherwise would not be at us. One of my favorite things last Tennessee this night was like, you know, I've never actually heard of you guys, but you know, I'm looking at this, you guys are speaking truth. And this is amazing. And to my knowledge, like you know, he's actually trying to communicate with the state party. And like all it takes is one. And you know, Brent Bitter says if you get one out of eight people to say yes, parties made an impact because I'll, like, then again it begins a domino effect because then they're going to start talking to their friends and then 22 new looking into us if not signing up for their affiliates so. yeah yeah hell yeah uh it's it's a oh, similar it again oh are we there, there you are there we go <laughs> all right uh, uh, yeah, it's, I feel like it's a very similar mindset. I say this a lot, uh, to like evangelism of, you know, you, you got to sow seeds and, you know, you might not always be the person that gets to see the, the thing grow, but it's about being that as often as you can and planting as many seeds as possible. And some of them are going to grow. Like it's just an, an inevitable truth and, uh, you know, unfortunately it works the same way in the opposite you know just just one bad interaction can start a chain reaction of like them now they're gonna go tell their friends like oh this libertarian was a was a bitch and and fucking call, called me names and did all these other things and now now their friends don't like libertarians either so it's it's something that we have to be kind of ever conscious on if we're trying to spread the message if we're calling ourselves libertarians publicly and like that's part of our persona and that's what we're doing with our lives we're we're unfortunately uh kind of called to a higher standard of behavior as well no absolutely and we 
we are the gold part. We should be the gold standard. So, I mean, that's mm -hmm. I mean, a little bit of a trite, like, you know, adage, but, you know, we should be. Like. <laughs> mm -hmm. 100% agreed. Well, before we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to tell people how they can help out uh, the Arizona party, your race for Senate or for secretary, uh, you know, what all the other things that you're involved in. Uh, how can people get more plugged into the movement? Well, I mean, if you're down my way, the Arizona party, uh, I believe we're having a state meeting this Thursday. Um, I can get I'll, I'll be posting that information all over uh, different social media platforms. I'm on Instagram at Tyler for 22. I'm on uh, Twitter as at Sassy Radical, Facebook, uh, Tyler Smith for Liberty, I believe is the, the, the at for that, um, my, for my personality page. Uh, if you want to donate, I do have a Venmo business account, so everything is recorded, everything is kept up to date. This isn't like, you know, you're just donating and you don't know if that money is going to anything. It's actually going to this account, which helps fund my traveling and helps out if some of the people on my team are actually traveling and getting to places I can't, they can, you know, give me a call and we can get them money as soon as possible to like help with their lodging, their food, uh, gas money, and anything that we have in excess come Reno 2022. Uh, I've talked with my staff a little bit. We're going to like try to divvy up if we have enough to various charities of their choice and donate to them. Um, that being said, uh, if anybody needs to get a hold of me, like any of the recent social media platforms I've got, I put out, I think most people probably watch this have found me one way or another. Uh, and if they haven't, like I said, just uh, reach out to David here because obviously you guys uh, like him a lot. So, and <laughs> he's got my contact information too. Like I said, I, I have no qualms with my email or my number or anything being handed out. Let me know what your thoughts are. I'm absolutely open. I'm trying to walk the walk in terms of transparency and accessibility and Anything that anybody has, like, feel free to reach out and ask me. And let's do this shit. Let's tell them Republicans and Democrats that we are coming for their asses in 2024. Mm. So. Let's do this shit. That's a great message. I loved uh, in Spike's little video that he put out for the one-year anniversary, that little clip of, all right, let's do some revolution shit. Yeah, no, and, and that's like, ah. I love that because that was a big hashtag that a lot of the people in the Tennessee re in the Tennessee party were using for when they were doing stuff, just revolution shit, like off the like just girly things. I love yeah. it. I was like, that's that's amazing. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah, uh, hashtag revolution shit is is my new favorite hashtag. Absolutely, by, by yeah. far. Uh, Liberty unity was cool. Revolution shit is uh, is a little bit more fun. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah. Um, also, anybody that's doing Pride events, especially there in New York or anything like that, um, just to plug out Right Libertarians, we are actually not a caucus. We are a charity and education foundation. Uh, we have stuff that you can talk to us. I'm their treasurer. We got Chase Oliver as our fundraising director, who you had on last night. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can reach out to us and we can see about getting you some stuff to like sell at your tables and stuff like that. Partner with us and we'll help you get that message out there. Uh, we've been supporting this uh, since 1971, and we still support it. We don't have any qualms about helping gain recognition. We've seen bipartisan efforts to put down transgender and GS other uh, GSM folks across the nation. Bipartisan includes the Democrats who claim to be about that. We are actually doing it. We're walking that walk, as I keep saying. So 
if you want help with your pride events and your local affiliates or anything like that, reach out to Outright Libertarians and give us, uh, we'll, we'll talk, talk to you. We got Ari Gabrick as our outreach director, me as treasurer, and again, Chase is our fundraiser, so. Yeah, and shout out to you guys. I actually, I was in a, I was in a conversation earlier today where somebody asked for advice on hosting a, a pride event, and I said, reach out to Chase and Outright, and within like an hour, the event was planned and like good to go. It was, I was like, oh, okay, all right. Guess you did that. All you needed was that that advice. You didn't actually need my help. That's more fun. <laughs> we, we, we do have a good donor base. Uh, we've got uh, we've got money that we're willing to help out with because we are absolutely about bridging the gap between the GSM community and libertarianism. Because again, who who else to reach out to than the people that actually said enough to release brutality and started fighting back? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I made a I made a post uh, earlier today about about Pride Month in general and just how and it actually chase went on a beautiful rant last night on the show about how like stonewall is like the most libertarian like event in our country for quite probably since 1776 and and how like the, the entire <laughs> movement like pride and as in and of itself is just born out of uh rebellion and and sticking up for yourself pushing back against a tyrannical police state it's like the most libertarian thing that you could possibly celebrate yeah absolutely that's uh, I, I think that's generally the consensus a lot of, uh, amongst a lot of us outright and that's part of what inspires us to keep fighting over there so mm -hmm. i i couldn't that's agree awesome. more <laughs> that's great well tyler thank you so much for coming on this was solid yeah, no, I, it was an honor, and thank you so much for having me. <laughs> um, again, anybody wants to reach out to me, like you know, feel free to post the contact information or anything like that. Like they can get a hold of me. So, All right, yeah, and his Twitter is scrolling across the bottom, so go follow him on that. All the other things that he mentioned, uh, go figure out what he's doing, and then yeah, reach out because he's a cool dude. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for watching, guys. Uh, we will catch you back here next week. Uh, Tuesday, 8 p.m. Until then, keep up the fight.